Hello, and welcome to Season 3 of If Women Were Meant to Fly, The Sky Would Be Pink. Episode 3. Let the fun commence. I'm Enid O'Turn. In this episode, I rewrite the complete company operations manual, along with processes and company operations procedures, staff and retrain the flight operations team and flight crew, and start to transform the aspirations and fortunes of this new charter company. To say I hit the ground running would be a complete understatement. In many ways, I just hit the ground. There was a lot more work to do than I had originally anticipated once the layers had been peeled back. Turning the company into a well-respected operation would be a challenge, but then what benefit was there to be had if this was not a challenge? I was excited and scared and determined to succeed. One of my first tasks was making sure that the structure of the operation, from an operations perspective, was robust. This meant a lot of changes to be implemented in procedures and operations manuals. The first suggestion was for me to attend a flight safety course in Wichita in the United States to shore up my aircraft knowledge. And whilst I was away, the offices and customer lounges were to be renovated for the executive operation that we wanted to be. This would be my second trip to a flight safety school, the first being my Twin Otter recurrency trip to Toronto years earlier. I arrived in Wichita on one of the coldest days of the year, and with snow in the forecast for the week, I was there. I was straight into ground school with three other pilots who had been booked onto the course. One of them was a remarkable 80-year-old woman who owned a bright pink Cessna 425 aircraft, complete with pink woolly seat covers, and who had flown into Wichita the day before. I was fascinated by this five-foot-two-inch grey-haired woman who stood before me in jeans and a waistcoat, and who had the most captivating, warm and sincere smile. I was drawn to her immediately and introduced myself as soon as I could. We were sat together during the course and I could not have been happier. In the coffee breaks, she would regale me with her wonderful and colourful stories of her youth and the start of her love for flying. She had grown up in a small town in the Midwest and rode horses as soon as she could get on one. She would ride out during her childhood to a small airfield in the middle of nowhere where she would spend hours under the one solitary tree that adorned the otherwise unremarkable airstrip, and watch the crop dusters spraying the surrounding farmers' fields like overgrown dragonflies darting in and out of the hedges. This was where her love of flight began, and although it was not woman's work at the time, she promised herself that she would not be denied this. 
She became friends with all the pilots and became something of a celebrity as she rode her horse to the airfield each day after school and on the weekends, tied it up to the one solitary tree and ran off to the makeshift flight school for her flying lessons in a biplane. Many years later, and as a direct result of this, she would be instrumental, along with many other women, collecting and delivering World War II fighter aircraft from the factories, with a flight testing being carried out on the way, and springing many surprises. She explained that it was better to have the problems show themselves whilst under their watch than on a mission during active service during the war. Hers was a fascinating journey, and whenever I felt that I couldn't do it, I would remember her battle to be accepted as a female pilot, her humble beginnings, and the fact that at 80, she was still flying her beloved aircraft. The only one in existence, by the way, the bright pink panther. Over shared dinners and end-of-day wash-ups, she would tell me she had married and had children, lived a good life, and continued to dote on her one and only passion. Her husband? I asked. Nope, she said. Her flying and her aircraft. We were paired together in the simulator, and I was able to see firsthand what skills she possessed. She was, at 80, as sharp as a tack, and I found myself racing to keep up with her sharp mind. I didn't do too badly myself, and was given a coveted award of excellence, rarely given to first-timers on the aircraft. As our course drew to a close, I accompanied my new friend out to her aircraft to bid her goodbye and watch as she prepared and pre-flighted her pink machine. As she taxied to the holding point and took off into the midday sun, I felt elated and sad at the same time. I doubted that I would see her again, but she had touched and impacted my life with her exuberance and drive, and for that I would always be grateful. My remaining day in Wichita was accompanied with purchasing my first pair of cowboy boots to accompany my newly acquired denim waistcoat and 501 jeans. Onwards and upwards, I thought, and in far too much denim to be legal, I prepared to return to Lagos and put into practice what I had learnt. The 30-degree blast hit me as I stepped off the aircraft, back on home turf. My company-assigned Air Force officer friend was there to meet me as planned, mainly to smooth and accelerate the arrivals process in Lagos in those days. With him handling the process, the immigration officers would stamp my passport a lot faster and not ask the inane questions such as, didn't I mean air stewardess as my occupation on the form instead of chief pilot? As for the customs officers, well, they would be denied any of the goodies that I'd brought back for my mother and my colleagues. Work started in earnest for me as soon as I returned. We had precious few days to streamline our operation and make an impression. Whilst I was away, the aircraft had also been repainted and the interior spruced up. Agreements had been signed for the acquisition of several more Cessna 208 caravans on floats, and they would be stationed in Escravos to support our oil operations. A Cessna Citation jet, 
was also being delivered to our fixed-wing operation to bolster our executive charter fleet. I had allocated several days to crew training for my two co-pilots, and for this we would depart to Abuja to carry out instrument approaches and base checks. As we departed northwards and climbed to our cruising altitude of 24,000 feet, my pilot under training in the left-hand seat and me in the right-hand seat as the instructor for the day, the weather towards Abuja on our radar, which was set at 100 miles distant, started to paint a thunderstorm picture. Our approach would be interesting and certainly authentic for training. At approximately 50 miles out and in our descent, I heard several aircraft on their approaches beginning to report heavy rain and low cloud. Some had made missed approaches and were heading to their alternate airports as multiple thunderstorms passed overhead Abuja. I had plenty of fuel and had made the decision to enter the holding pattern and wait it out or attempt the approach with the others. One voice caught my attention, an Israeli pilot colleague, flying the Twin Otter for Aero Contractors. As we flew overhead, he was beginning the approach, a precision approach over the hills to the north of the airport. He reported that the weather was extremely poor and that he was making a missed approach to enter the holding pattern above the airport. I made the decision to try the approach on the other runway, before the thunderstorm hit it too hard and reduced the visibility to nothing with driving rain. Once cleared, I left the hold and took control of the aircraft and flew the approach to a bumpy but successful landing. The visibility was poor, but it was a better option, which I reported as we touched down in driving rain. My heart was beating fast and my hands were clammy as I put the engines into reverse and guided the aircraft onto the taxiway. The adrenaline I had produced in that stressful situation had started to recede. But I was genuinely concerned for anyone on the approach now and hoped that they would divert to another alternate airport. The Twin Otter had decided to attempt another precision approach and left the hold as we taxied into park on the apron. With the rain so heavy, we would be sat in the aircraft for some time before continuing our training. I kept the radio on to listen in to air traffic control and monitor the situation as well as to get a weather update. The Twin Otter called at 10 miles on final approach for the runway, in poor conditions but he was confident of a landing. Minutes went by and I found myself calculating where he was on the approach and when he would come into view. More minutes passed and the air traffic controller's calls went unanswered. The air traffic controller asked us and a number of other aircraft to try and make contact, but none of us could raise him. I felt a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach as the continued calls went unanswered and the aircraft did not make an appearance out of the gloom. As the rain subsided and the weather moved away to the east of the airport, I left the aircraft and paced along the taxiway. It had been too long. With radio silence and no aircraft, I assumed the worst, but hoped for the best. I had hoped that maybe he had radio failure and had diverted to another airport. Air traffic control halted all departures and arrivals and asked us to depart to look for the aircraft along the final approach path to the runway. We started our engines and taxied out. As we got airborne, 
We looked in vain for the aircraft, but with the low clouds still obscuring the hills, we couldn't locate it or any wreckage. An emergency was declared, and the airport was closed. These are horrible situations when they occur, and with such a small aviation community, it was a tense and upsetting time for everyone. No one wanted to lose an aircraft, but it was an unfortunate and all-too-common side of the job. I and my co-pilots landed and relocated to the tower, whilst the rudimentary emergency response was dispatched north of the airport. I estimated that the aircraft had come down somewhere in the hills along the final approach path. Several hours later, and the wreckage was located, six miles from touchdown, having crashed into the hills. Emergency rescue was sparse and badly coordinated at that time in Nigeria, and a lot of it depended on local villagers in the area finding and rescuing the occupants, a task that they were neither trained for nor equipped for, but one that they carried out to the best of their abilities. We would have to depart for Lagos before we found out the outcome, but I already knew that there were several casualties. I just didn't know who. It was a sombre and quiet return journey, filled with reflection. Only a few hours previously, I had made the decision to switch runways at the last moment to see if the visibility was any better, failing which I would depart back to Lagos, or maybe we would be amongst the hills. But for now, all our thoughts were with the crew and passengers of the downed aircraft. Thank you for listening. As always, your reviews and comments are very much appreciated. Thank you to Lucy Ashby for the editing of this episode. If you would like to ask a question or make a comment, then please do so on our social media sites. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or send us an email. Our email address is theskyispinkpilot at gmail.com or visit our website www.skyispink.co.uk In the next episode, I learn the outcome of the Twin Otter crash in Abuja and why it happened. New customers come on board as we launch our new services and our new charter jet finally arrives in Lagos. Thank you and goodbye. Check out Print My Tops by visiting www.printmytops.co.uk for a family-run t-shirt printing business specialising in quirky, fun t-shirt designs, as well as bespoke custom printing for workwear and birthdays. They also have a great range of personalised gift ideas. They are the top for tops. Follow them on Instagram or Facebook at Print My Tops and add coupon code PINKSKY to your order to receive a free personalised pencil case with your name on it. Don't forget, Print My Tops is the exclusive provider 
for the Pink Sky Podcast merchandise. Visit them online at www.printmytops.co.uk.